Welcome back to another episode of the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast without the mention of whiskey in the title whatsoever. Join me today via Skype all the way in the northwest side of Chicago is the one and only a man in the Red Keen Lake t-shirt that only has, I think, two copies of that t-shirt ever made is Wilson Ramon Torres. Hey, young world. He's shaking his head. He's hey, bopping his head. World. He's giggling and also having a good time. And our, Scot- our Scottish elite over on the west side of Chicago is along with us. Ladies and gentlemen, from Abadour Distillery, the brand ambassador of Chicago, Callum J. O'Donnell. West Side representing. Yeah, he's <laughs> holding up that uh, that West Side symbol right there. Wow, you're just uh, great. If only if only the people at home could see you. Hopefully they can. This hairdo, hat, this, 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 this hairdo needs some work. Put that hat back on as he's sporting a Star Wars cap. And our guest today, who is down over on north of the river, correct? Am I right? Um, I am west, northwest of the river. Or no, <laughs> southwest of the river. I don't know. I don't know. Somewhere somewhere in Chicago near the downtown area, wearing a Slim's Barbershop t-shirt, is the one and only Chris Blintner. You also may know him as the Urban Bourbonist over on the Instagrams. Chris, welcome to the show. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me back. Always, always fun to talk to you chaps. Yeah, definitely. A good little quarantine chat with everybody here, getting all basis of the city and all, well, except for the south side. Callum, why don't you go down to the south side and figure out what's happening down there? I need uh, I need a car then. I'm not going to spend the money on the Uber considering my, my company won't pay for my Ubers anymore. It's just First world problems. Long, long time ago. Wilson, you still with us? Yeah, just got back. Sorry. Uh, my Wi-Fi kind of froze up on me. Yeah, because kind of wondering about that. It's probably a really cool <laughs> horse background. It's causing that to happen. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Quarantine chats via Skype. Everyone is uh, Skyping in today, and Wilson keeps freezing a little bit. There he goes. Looking better now. Well, Chris, how has everything yeah. been with you over the last few, uh, I guess, couple of months since we last saw you now? Nine weeks, yeah. Yeah, it's all has been well. I mean, um, you know, as well as it can be with, with the current situation that's, that's going on. And um, just been working through my collection of, of whiskey at home, making a quite a significant dent in, uh, in everything that, that I have here. And, uh, the, the, your wife the, must be so happy. She must be like, Oh my God, we're finally getting rid of all this crap. We're, we're finally getting rid of all this whiskey. And then quarantine's going to be over. And then you're just going to be like, well, this is great. I got room to spend. I got room to <laughs> more bottles. Seriously, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm just kind of making room for when I can uh, can go back and and do some shopping. But uh, yeah, it's, it's that's basically what I've been up to. Yeah, but you also snuck away from us and went headed into uh, Southern Indiana for a little bit. Ooh. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so I did. Uh, <laughs> I did in a way break quarantine. However, Indiana has been open since, uh, since I think <laughs> May 11th or something like that. So, um, yeah, happy, yes. That's my birthday. 
Oh, well, happy birthday. Belated. Maybe. Who gives? Maybe, Dude, no one gives a shit. He was in the middle Come of the story. Come on, A belated birthday. <laughs> Anyone no, ever yeah, mentioned May 11th, I'm saying, that's my birthday, baby. Yeah, you got to, you know. Hey, you gotta, Callum, you what's, know. what's the R in the background for hanging on your wall? Um, my, my apartment number is 2R. Um, oh. <laughs> but you know the curious thing? The curious thing is the people that lived here before me and my landlady, they put the R on the inside of the door yeah. and there's no R on the outside. So whenever people come <laughs> to deliver things, they're always like, yeah, it said 2R on the package, but like there's no R on the outside of your door. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could, I wish I had the time to explain that, but I don't. Sorry. Well, Back to Chris's story of going. Chris, to yeah, you're going to go to Indiana May 11th. Talk to us, baby. <laughs> yeah, so I had um, the opportunity. Um, Wilson and Jake, you guys know, and I don't know if you know Callum, but I've had um, uh, the opportunity to kind of work with um, an organization called Bourbon Charity, um, oh, nice. kind of uh, as an ambassador. Do some do some whiskey reviews for them uh, since like late last summer or so, and they've been getting they've been growing and kind of getting more into uh, doing barrel picks and and offering those um, to support the charity to support the charities that Urban Charity is supporting. And uh, there was an opportunity to do a uh, barrel pick at Starlight Distillery down in. Starlight, Indiana, which is, it's like 20 minutes north of Louisville. Um, so um, they asked me if I wanted to go down there and, and uh, check it out and, and participate. And I jumped at it because I had, I'd never done a barrel pick before. Um, so to be able to go and do it in person. Um, yeah, I, I jumped at that. And what a, a really, really cool experience it um i don't know if you guys are familiar with starlight they're not a big distillery at all they're just starting to kind of get a foothold in chicago and kind of the midwest here like indiana kentucky illinois really i think um kind of just a really small place that's that's growing and and uh, kind of getting their name out there now but um, family operation, their, their, um, family has been involved in winemaking and brandy making dating, like all the way back to like the mid 1800s. So it's a oh, family wow. that knows what, yeah, it's a family that knows what they're doing when it comes to in their blood. Yeah. Distilling and winemaking and, and all of this. And, um, mm. Yeah, they put on just such a great uh, experience for us. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back down there and and um, visiting them just to go and they have like uh, an an amazing um, property. It's kind of like a whole experience. They have like a farmers market. You can you can tour the winery. You can tour the vineyards. You can go pick berries. I think um, they've got wow. orchards. It's, it's a really cool place. You know, it's like a, it's kind of like uh, when you go to like one of those pumpkin patches in in October, um, like those big ones that have like the full experience. That's kind of like what <laughs> Starlight is, but on you know a different different level. Yeah, yeah. I agree. No, I actually went down there for a wine tasting a few years back. Had a really good time uh, doing it, visiting the grounds. Really, really beautiful area down there in Indiana. Um, as Callum's doing emojis on the screen for some reason and distracting me with my 
Yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, awesome place. Uh, who else did you go down there with from the Bourbon Charity? Uh, I was the the lone representative from Bourbon Charity, and um, there was a team of some other people that uh, that uh, I know from Instagram. They actually had set it up in conjunction with bourbon charity. So they sort of some friends of mine sort of put together the team. Um, you guys probably follow them on Instagram, bourbon in Indiana, uh, pixel oh, yeah. Ports, uh, the bourbon yeah. lens looks- podcast. There was a yeah. guy from there that, um, that, that came along. Um, yeah. So we, we kind of all went and did the pick on behalf of bourbon charity and, uh, we tasted, this is shocking, we tasted 32 different barrels. Holy, while we were holy shit. Why? <laughs> so talk yeah, about, so talk about an experience. Like I, from what I gather, when you go to do a barrel pick somewhere, it's typically like three, <laughs> maybe six barrels that you get to taste. Maybe five. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought you were going to say, from what I gather, we had a really good time. Yeah. <laughs> that too, yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, they they like rolled out the red carpet. Um, but I, from from what they said, the barrel experience that we had wasn't just like, oh, because it's for charity, we're gonna like bend over backwards, which they did. But like, this is typically from what they're saying, like this is kind of their barrel pick experience. When you go there, it's like they open the doors and they're just like, Hey, what do you want to taste? And that's what we did. I mean, it was amazing. What are you into? Where do you want to go first? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how they, how they let it. They kind of said, so, you know, do you guys like, you know, what kind of flavor profiles do you like? And they kind of would lead us in a direction and we'd taste some things, uh, bourbons, then some rise, then some finished products. Very cool. How many balls are you looking to get out of the barrel? So the barrel is going to, so we ended up picking a finished whiskey. Um, I'll, I can, I can say what it is. So it is a, um, a Sauterns, finished bourbon so it's wow. gonna be it's a blend of four five and six year old bourbons but i think by the time it hits the bottle the label is going to say five years okay. um the finish is going to be for like six to seven months in the uh saw turns barrel um it's going to produce about 200 plus bottles um so it'll be it'll be a good a good run from that from that barrel and then it's all for charity. Like uh, Starlight has put up uh, the barrel 100% for charity, um, so oh, it's wow. gonna it's gonna produce a good a good um, amount of money for the charity. I don't know what the bottle's at yet, but um, very unique barrel. I've I've never seen a Sauternes finish um, with like a bourbon. Someone had mentioned that Jefferson's has done it, but. Um, uh, and this is like a, a first for Starlight too. So they've never released anything with this type of finish before. So really unique barrel. That's awesome to see. Awesome to hear. Um, hopefully we can all purchase a bottle of that. How about the Bourbon Charity for all the good things they do all across America to re- for relief and people in all different cases and causes when it comes to you know medical cases. Uh, they helped us out with the Australian fires as well earlier this mm-hmm. year, which seems like five years ago <laughs> now everything 
Oh man, it's crazy. To think about. <laughs> I was still doing, I was still doing uh, Australian fire relief parties when the quarantine started. I still, I didn't even do three of them, and that was in March. Now we're here in the middle, towards the end of May, and life is continuing in quarantine. But with that being said, as we approach the May 29th into f- potentially phase three of the quarantine process in Chicago, there is some a little light at the end of the tunnel with some news that was announced yesterday on Wednesday, May 20th, about the potential of bars and restaurants across Illinois, and the potential is more about Chicago, based on how our Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her team assesses the uh, situation, to have bars and restaurants have the availability to open their patios and other outdoor spaces to serve the the fine customers of Chicago and across the state of Illinois, which I know all three of us are very excited about, uh, the potential of all that reopening on some sort of a level. There's a lot of, uh, there's still, I think, a lot of process to go through, especially here in Chicago with a city of millions of people versus the smaller towns that surround everything outside of Illinois um, and outside of, or outside of Chicagoland area. But uh, for us, it definitely, for me, it was like I was messaging anybody possible yesterday at like 2.30 in the afternoon when the news came across just saying, hey, like might be able to open up, but we'll see where it goes with it right now um, once we are reevaluated over the next eight days. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I heard that it's not that Lightfoot doesn't like it. Um, no, well, she, just, I, I just not, don't think she, she's positive. She's just not. Yeah. We're like, we're just not ready. Yeah, she's ready like I don't like twenty ninth, but maybe early June doors. or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, she just says yeah. that you know May May twenty ninth is not a definitive date. Yeah, uh, May 29th ambitious. is when the state is going to happen. It doesn't mean that Chicago is going to happen on that day. But no, she was in her news in her press conference today at like one o'clock p.m. as we're recording at four o'clock um, p.m. in on Thursday, May 21st. She was definitely very optimistic about this happening and wanting bars and restaurants to get back open. And even leading in the conversation that the Illinois Restaurant Association was talking about yesterday on the news and what. Uh, Wilson, Brett Bauer, and I were talking about earlier this week before it all became public was the potential of streets being shut down and essentially creating a block party system of bars and restaurants congregating together where it be an open market, allowing the opportunity for more restaurants to partake and more people to partake in consuming the great food and beverages we have here in Chicago. I, I think that would be incredible to do. And, and actually – one of the one of the things or a few of the things that I think could be bright spots to come out of this uh, terrible situation is what I would love to see is if they are going to do that or they're going to close down streets um, and allow kind of restaurants to expand out into the sidewalk and into the streets is to make that basically permanent for, you know, five months out of the year here in Chicago where we may have decent enough weather to to do that, that would be incredible if right. that came out of this. On top of like the cocktails to go from places, that needs to stay. That needs to be like bars and restaurants needs need to, to be able to, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that needs to like be offered one hundred percent of the time throughout the year. Like I think there's things that we can learn from all of this and, and kind of change the way that we live. We're going to have to change the way that we live. 
yeah. really until there's a, a solution to the to the disease, you know. Yeah, we're not going back to February, you know, like how life was then. It's going to change. It's going to unfortunately change drastically, even when doors reopen to bars and restaurants and to shops all across the city, uh, which is fine. You know, like we're, we're human beings. We have to evolve and adapt. But I think as long as we can have some of those uh, those liberties of enjoying a beverage and going to a restaurant and supporting the people inside of our community, it's a great thing to potentially have um, because that's uh, without it. You see businesses closing. There's an estimate right now. You know we're on the good end. Let's say 35% of restaurants and bars close across the U.S. On a very high, very pessimistic end, it's 70 to 75%. You know, like that would be horrible. Which is probably going to fall somewhere in between. So we're looking at like half of the bars and restaurants across the United States closing. I mean, we can. I mean, we can be optimistic. Is I'm very optimistic about it, but at the same time. We're, I think, just doing the patios now, even though they don't, they're not inclusive to everyone within the city limits. I think it's a step in the right direction, not necessarily to say it's also in a good direction, um, because we don't know the outcome of even just doing that. If there's a right. sudden spike, do we close up again? I mean, that's that's not good for well, our, our bar owners, you know, or restaurant owners to have to put together a plan, follow a plan, buy the things necessary in order to put said plan into place accordingly, and then and then execute their plan, and then there's a spike, and then they got to rec- now they got to close again. Now you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. I think I think the there's a, there's a couple of things that. If this happens, then we still have to be within our each of ourselves. Each individual has to still be considerate of others, and really, you know, and and really abide by the stand, you know, the set standards by the by the health departments and the CDCs. And I mean, we still have to follow all those things. But it would be just as just as bad if we open up and it just a sudden spike, and then we have to close it. That that would really eliminate people. They'll just skim the top right off. I think one of, one of my biggest issues with it was it, with it all is that May 29th, I mean, what are we at the 21st today? So tomorrow's – so May 29th is going to be a Friday. Yep. Like I think if you're going to reopen, I think the last day that you should be reopening is a Friday or a Saturday because like that's asking. <laughs> that's just asking for things to be overflowing, you know, and I think that it's just like – you know that right now, especially as we're getting closer and closer into the summer, I mean, I suppose we're yeah. kind of in spring still. I don't even know what you would count spring in Chicago. Um, <laughs> this but spring, we're still mean, in spring, just so you know. We're still uh, in spring. You're in spring. June July 4th starts summer in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, as we get closer. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> as we get closer to the summer, people are getting antsier and antsier and antsier. And I think the longer that we can keep people back from doing, from congregating and going to parks and drinking in parks and doing all this kind of stuff, the better. And I think opening on a Friday, like opening all the patios and things on a Friday is like, uh, it's the wrong word to use, but like suicide almost. Right. Because right. you, you open, you think of, you think of all the bars and restaurants in Chicago's that have patios. Right. And you say, right, we're actually only going to be able to have a capacity of X, Y, and Z here. The first day that you open those bars, there's going to be such a mad rush of people who are looking for a drink. They're looking to get out of the house. They're looking to socialize. There's also going to be people like us who are in the, who are in the industry. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And so that 
I think I think Friday's the worst day. I think if you're going to open it, well, like you should do it on a Monday, because even 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 then on a Monday, people are going to flood to it because it's open, right? People are going to go, oh yeah, another yeah, drink for sure, a quiet drink. So yeah. I, I think I kind of agree with like that. It's going to take. Yeah, any day of the week is going to happen. But Monday, at least, you know, you would get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before well, of people going and like and seeing it for themselves and be like, oh, yeah, we, we went to a bar this week, you know, get it out of their system. Um, and and regardless, the weekends are always going to be crazy. So, you know, I think I think it's good. Maybe a good move from like food. Obviously, I'm on a selfish scale. Like I'm, I'm just desperate to get myself. Um, I'm desperate to get myself back into bars and, and back to back to that kind of normality. But. At the same time, oh, you just oh, bugger, that uh, sucks. Did it really? Uh, that just, sucks. That, uh, I blame Beam Centauri for the kill bacon <laughs> bottle not opening. Um. So yeah, I think I think I. But I, I, I think you know? the plan, you know, May 29th is the last business day of of, of May. Um, I think that's why that was used. Um, and to go back to what Jake mentioned in the summary of what you know the the, the last two. Uh, pieces of news that came out of from downstate is you know and then obviously not miss mayor life but we're chicago's not opening on on that friday i mean no. again we were we still need a way we still need to wait and and get those guidelines uh, into the hands of the, of the bar and restaurant owners that i'm um, chicago's been working on they just you know we're just not part of that may 2019 but that being said what i believe is the case and i think we can do is be doing the patio thing, and we talked, we touched on this when we had Brett on. Is going to a reservation system. Remember at the milk room, you know, if you ever got to go to the milk room at the Chicago Athletic uh, Club, you know, to get into the milk room, you got to make a reservation. That reservation is good for two hours at one of the eight seats at that bar. And after two hours, you're done. Get the fuck out of there. You know, we may be seeing that instilled citywide. You day where it allows for bar owners and you know an ordinance is to stay and stay up far stay strong and be able to control the flow of people so if you're you're no walk-ins you're not just going to walk up to a bar say hey i want to have a drink do you have a reservation no sorry go to this website make a reservation it may be two weeks from today your day this may be just maybe 10 percent of what the you know of business to them or maybe 15 percent. who's to say i don't not a bar owner but I think we're going to see a controlled method put into place to help, again, because we're still in this virus, even though we're outside, there's still movement on the streets and there's still movement around us. I think we're going to see something that instilled um, or implemented, I should say, in order to help continue that, that, that um, continue that the trajectory of where we're at as far as keeping it on a down slope instead of like stopping for a moment and then seeing an increase. And that would cause, as I mentioned, a really closure of everything again, and a definite losses of, of businesses throughout our communities here in the city. Yeah. It's just a sign of, or just a part of the transformation that's going to take place <laughs> to have bars and restaurants open back up, but how things are going to look different in probably, you know, not a very, I would say just in the short term effect, which will probably have a long term um, process to it. We're not going to get back to, like I said, you know, February uh, 2020 anytime soon where you can just walk freely across into bars and restaurants and kind of get in. Now, I think would would it be um, beneficial to us and help you kind of get back to some kind of uh, process of what we were doing before is having these essentially um, blocked off areas to create mass markets where people can still 
do physical distancing um, and feel safe in an environment if streets are shut down. Because as any Chicago listener will know, Chicago summertime is built up on street fest every week. And with that, uh, we have street shut down for multiple days, two to three um, days a week, a weekend uh, where we have people walking around with drinks, visiting vendors, and some of them can be crowded absolutely. But at other times, you can walk around pretty freely and not have to bump into people. And you know, if you if they think masks should be enforced, they can you know ask people to wear masks while they're not eating and drinking. Which I, I don't know if it's. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an epidemiologist when it comes to that, but I feel like if you're already in crowded spaces, what's a mask really going to do? <laughs> we also have to factor in weather. We're not, right. we don't really great weather. <laughs> right. I mean, we're blessed this weekend. We're going to get kick-ass weather, but after it's that, we're going right back to It's supposed to rain still. Yeah. I mean, like even like you know. Chicago's known for some summer rains to come through here once in a while, um, where, yeah, yeah it, it sounds like a great idea, but I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking with earlier today or yesterday, how, you know, Mike Miller, he'll put up, we were talking about on Monday too, about how he put up uh, his license to have the whiskey festival during some of those street, street parties. And do we have to put tents now up everywhere, which is going to be another added expense. And where's that expense possibly going to come from? Is it coming to come from the bars and restaurants? Will it come from um, the local aldermen's and local chamber of commerce's? You know, those are other things to factor in. How are we actually going to build these little communities inside of our, our neighborhoods. Yeah. I just, I just don't see how, yeah. I mean, I like the, I, I we talked about it. We're, know, per, we're very persevering people. Like we will, we're persist yeah. through anything, I guess, in Chicago and sure. have a work ethic. Even cousin Pete, Shout out to you, happy belated birthday. He 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 just moved back to Iowa, um, and he said I missed the Chicago work ethic because everyone here was shut down in Iowa, you know, working on having unemployment checks, and now nobody wants to come back to work. He's like, I miss the people in Chicago with the work ethic they have to do things and just to make sure that the, whatever it takes, it will get done. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, Pete. <laughs> Chris, in your area where you live, uh, how how would you see that working and and to the benefit of I guess sanity and you know, well, I mean, or where just I live, to be able to be out, and I think it would be better. So I, I'm on Randolph Street, which you know, there's a million restaurants here, bars. I've been of the opinion for the longest time we have like these little like frontage roads on Randolph, so you have like the main strip, and then on Randolph oh, Street yeah. you have like that. You have like those frontage roads, like the delivery roads on the on the side from when this was all like warehouses and meatpacking and all that i've been of the opinion that those should be closed for uh, pedestrian use only year round because it just it's set up that way here that you could do that and you really wouldn't affect anything that's happening in this particular area those those like frontage roads are not even needed for traffic um so i'd be in favor of those being closed year round um but what I'm worried about is that – so this neighborhood was basically built around the restaurants. Like yeah. this was an old meatpacking mm-hmm. – this was basically the back end Meat of the city. Like, yeah. This part of the Ice city – Yeah, this part of the city served the main downtown area. This was like – I don't know what you would call like the butler's kitchen or whatever that would be for the city. So everything happened in this neighborhood. So they set it up that way. And then when restaurants and bars moved here, this neighborhood grew because of those. And what I'm afraid of is that if those don't come back, 
we're just going to be like this this area with nothing nowhere to go nothing to do and I mean, it's really it's really going to be a terrible situation i mean for randolph specifically though I, I, even now there's been a bunch of hotels and things like that have popped up yeah. there you know so my office uh, yeah like the hoxton's down there office. you know um yeah. and then even even like some of the best bars in the city are out there you know um the aviary's out there i think the office is out yeah. there Blind Barber's out there, um, and they've just launched this. Uh, they've, they've, can't even remember the name of it now. Is it Time Out? The big yeah, area yeah, there. Yeah, so the they've Time got, Out uh, Market. Yeah. There's so much there. There's so much there, and and I feel like it's a little like that area kind of feels sometimes a little bit like the Brooklyn to Chicago's downtown. You know, like <laughs> like the Brooklyn to what Brooklyn is to Manhattan. What for sure. Yeah, you know what that area is to downtown Chicago. Um, but I think to go back to Jake's point, I know that um, our distributor uh, across the US, they're, they're estimating 50% loss in, in on-premise um, venues, which is really sad. But, you know, I think anything less than that is going to be, a, it's going to be, you know, we're going to have to be thankful for it. Anything less than 50%. So, like, if even if we only lose 40% or 35% of local businesses, then then we're going to be lucky, you know. And I think that there's also that side of pressure as well that's going to start to mount that as Illinois opens up uh, to mirror what Wisconsin, Iowa and Indiana have all done, as Illinois starts to open up and small businesses on the outskirts of the city are getting to reopen, um, I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on, on Chicago, you know, because people that have slaved for 25 years, 30 years on a small business here in Chicago it's going to be difficult for them to look at, um, you know, maybe 20 miles down the road and everybody else is open and they're, and they're forced to be shut. So obviously I totally understand that it's a, it's a massive risk. And, and Wilson and Jake and I were actually talking briefly last night about how, what are the measures that you can put in place to, to make sure that things are safer, you know, regarding sanitation, regarding letting people in the doors, um, especially from like a thermometer, maybe even standpoint, uh, and, and I would be willing to accept any of that, really. And the more I think about it, because I think it was you, Wilson, that brought it up last night. The more I think about it, the more I'd be happy for someone to take my temperature at, at, the, door of a, at the door of a bar if it allowed a local bar to open its doors, you know, um, or if it allowed an open patio to, to open up. And that's why this America is, uh... saved your ass during World War II. <laughs> I, I mean, I think these things are totally acceptable. Like, this is not a this is not a trampling of your civil rights to have your temperature taken to come into a restaurant or a bar. Um, uh, my wife just got an email from her salon, and they said that's what they're going to do when they they're planning to reopen. They're having one customer in in the salon at a time. When you come to the door, they're going to take your temperature. If it's over 100.4, you can't come in. And I think that's totally acceptable. It's a private business. They can refuse service to you for whatever reason they want. Right. And if people it's your temperature. Be, people will be icing their foreheads at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I know. That's cut. Cold You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that i got to get my hair done, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Give me the ice bag. Yeah. It, it is up to the individual uh, restaurant, restaurants or you know shops, whatever it may be. 
Um, they have the right to refuse service. And it's not like a tracking system on your phone, um, which people are very hesitant towards. And people, some people are pushing for. I know our governor has talked to um, people like Jim Kim, who is the uh, World Bank ex- executive, but also is an epidemiologist, well, too, where our state has worked with him in, in um, align with uh, Massachusetts and a few other states. So we have very strict guidelines about not just the big cities, but the entire state. Uh, I know people in southern Illinois and other parts of the state were talking about, well, why can't we open up and just leave Chicago closed? Well, what happens if one person goes to Chicago for a weekend and then comes back to their small town, churches are open up, bars are open up, and they start spreading the virus that way, which is a very, um, you know, national thought to have about what could potentially happen yeah. in a state where Chicago attracts people from all over. Yeah. Wilson, I think, you know, say, it- See it. Yeah, it's 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 I I just my mind's always running. But I I like that point because that's why I think it's important that with this these phases that Pritzker put in law and put in in our local government enforcing it or uh, I think it's important to have those and have those those guidelines in place. And that way everyone's on the same playing field, regardless of where you're at. So if, if Carbondale you know, is open. Great. Great for Carbondale. I mean, that's, it's Carbondale, you know, Chicago, we just have so many more people, so many more risks in line. You know, I mean, we could just stay closed. A lot of people was like, well, why not just stay closed? Then you know what? Don't go stay home. You know, we won't know unless we try. And this is a step in trying to do, to reopen on something that changes on an hour to hour, day to day basis, all the information that we get, it's just, it's, we have to try, you know, and if it doesn't work that, but which is what I'm a little afraid of for those business owners. I'm not so much for for my health. Cause I know I've been doing what I needed to do. We've been doing it well, but I'm just really, you really good doing it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, I hate for them to open. And then there's a spike because a, a couple of us got a little too crazy and, you know, not necessarily habitual, you know, behaviorally, but, there's a spike. Yeah. yeah. But that no, spike I, could be credited to the continuous uh, testing that we're going through. You know, we're still, it's still out there. You know, I just, uh, you know, go ahead, girl. But we, we have to try. We have to try. Well, I want to ask you guys um, being, you know, being brand ambassadors um, throughout all of this, like what have you, what have you seen like your particular brands do to kind of like adjust to this situation? Like how have they, like Callum, I know, like I, I did a, a, a virtual tasting with you, which I think is really, really cool. Like Abelauer had, um, is doing things like that, but like from your brand's perspectives, like how have they approached this particular situation to try and like, it's it's probably the wrong way to say it, but to stay relevant to the, or to stay in people's mm-hmm. minds, you know. You're right. No, you're right. Callum, go ahead. Uh, so yeah, I mean we we've obviously been doing that little uh, the the virtual tastings. Um, sorry, I've got the kettle boiling in the background. Um, can you hear it? No. Yeah, we can hear it. Sorry. <laughs> Um, I don't, I usually, usually it, when we're, when we're doing the podcast at Jake's place, you know, I have my nice little cup of coffee. There's someone that goes and gets the high lifes every, every so often. Um, 
So I'm having to do that myself this time. But uh, yeah, so staying relevant, you know, I think when all this started, we were like everybody else. We thought it was going to go on for two or three weeks, you know. Um, and now I suppose the 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 for Aberlour specifically for us, life's good at the moment. You know, we're a brand that is primarily uh, an off-premise brand. You know, mm-hmm. we're a, a liquor store brand. Um, like while we're in a lot of cool on-trade places and we're in a lot of steakhouses and things like that, you know, the 95% probably of our volume comes from the off-trade. Uh, so the, about 90, uh, over 90%. percent okay. um, So, you know, for us, it's, it's really been a good thing, you know. Um, we've been double digits since this thing began. We've been up double digits since this thing began. Um, so... You know, for us, that's good. But at the same time, you want to still be be top of mind because brands are obviously going to start to do more and more and more as as things get opened up. Um, obviously, we've done the tastings and things like that. That's been really cool. But, you know, I think there's going to come a stage that people probably get tired of that. You know, it's going to it's going to wear thin very, very quickly. Um, and now I don't even notice. I don't even know if you guys notice, but when you even when you go on Instagram now, there's like 10 lives every single time I log into Instagram. Oh, yeah. And I'm oh, yeah. like, Jesus Christ, like, how, you know, how do these people expect us to watch all of these? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have, <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. So, um, you know, I think there, there's, a, there's, there's, there's definitely a way to stay relevant, but there's also, it's, I think it's really, really important that you don't saturate your consumers with, with crap, really. Yeah. Point. I know, uh, Wilson, you guys have kind of taken the same approach, being not crazy about it, but definitely you, as a distillery, you transitioned to making hand sanitizer um, and helping out your community that way. Yeah, the Armenia community down in Kansas City Metro and throughout as many, I mean, we've gone into um, even our other markets that, that we're neighboring with. We've uh, touched base with those local, you know, local authorities along the same state lines to see if we can help in that manner. I'm right now trying to broker a deal to come up so we can bring some more hand sanitizer this way um, to show goodwill to our, you know, to our account base and, and then, you know, uh, and working with some other um, groups to see if, if there's any way we can help. Uh, you know, and people are like, well, you're from Kansas City. You know, I was like, yeah, but we do business here, you know, and right. we do business with you guys. So if you're, if you guys aren't well, we're not well. We've been fortunate at with you know we've been fortunate that business when it comes to distilleries of our size the 2000 that are exist in this country you know we really depend on our immediate community for their support so them coming to the distillery to buy cocktail kits or just bottles or merch helps because now we're getting that full price instead of you know you know, depending, you know, like me selling it at Benny's, you know, being selling it on our behalf, they get their cut, I just sure gets their cut, and so on and so forth. So, you know, and that was something. So, just on site distillery stores, go, just go, go to your local distilleries, pick a favorite if you have two or three, go and buy about to buy some merch, do buy some sanitizer, um, because that's what we depend on. Unfortunately, you know, that's what's carried us through. Um, you know, through this, you know, at least down in Kansas City. Me here, fortunately, you know, I've been blessed to have, still have my job, but I've turned it into 
an ambassador of goodwill in a sense where, you know, Jake and, you know, Jake and Calum have done some, some as well. They've done some community outreach in the form of uh, food pantries. And then said, I've jumped on board with Julia to do the uh, cocktails for hope uh, movement that we hope to get into law, but on a permanent basis, not just during these times, you know, so we're all doing our little things um, because my brand to the point of Calum's is an on-prem brand um, because we're such a small distillery. Um, 60% of my business here in Chicago, or of our business here in Chicago is on-premise. So 40% is retail. So it's easy to cover my retailers and see them um, to the point where they'll probably be sick of seeing me. But that on-prem is most important to us. And, and it's important to anyone developing a brand, period. You know, so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and when do you bring in between the wife and you having personal relationship, Julia, when is she coming on the podcast? Uh, oh. Oh uh, no, man! Yeah, I mean, man. Yeah, she, I, I don't know. I don't know. She's you, she's she'll you listen. And, you know. I will call her out she, right now. Yeah, she's like she listen. So you know what? I'm I'm sure she'd be really she'd be really game to do that. Be no yeah. different than having Chris and DJ come on board too. You know, <laughs> DJ can speak on the 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 health benefits while Chris you know touches on the qual you know the the importance of having a collection and whatnot. And I'm surprised you've gotten there And also the importance of getting up every single day. Also the importance of getting up every single day and there doing you your hair. <laughs> yeah. I've fallen short on that. Making sure that your hair is quaffed. Quaffed. And you're ready for the day. But no, you know, one uh, thing that Jake mentioned he was going to ask, I'm probably going to ask that now. I apologize. I jumped in there, everybody. I'm sorry. Don't worry about it. Was it was towards Chris um, about the. We touched we touched base on it the other night, um, Chris. Have you seen the social platform, social media platform, just increase in activity or socialism oh. or just you know how how how? I mean, I'm Did you you're say very socialism? First off, first off, before Chris goes, you remind that's why we're that's why we're such great friends because that was the conversation I was going to lead right into. So thank you. Okay. And second of all, look, can we do a social dashism maybe? <laughs> yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, Callum touched on this with his comment. Like anytime he logs on to Instagram, there's like ten lives going on at any one time. And and I was actually thinking about this before I came on and, and wanted to talk about this. So it's a good question. It's it's a good topic. I and Callum said, you know, you, you don't want to oversaturate. You don't want to oversaturate um, your clients or your customers with with all with all this social stuff. But in actuality, my opinion is that I feel like this is this period of time is a I don't know how to say this nicely, but this is sort of an indictment on a lot of brands. I feel mm-hmm. like because now that supposedly we all have the time, to, you don't have to drag me like this, Chris. You really no, don't no, have no, to drag I'm not, me. Like drag him no, no, no. <laughs> Actually, this is not a commentary on you on on Avila or Callum. You guys, you guys have always. I mean, I did that event that you had at the Hoxton, like an in person event. That was before all of this. Thanks for the invite. Well, <laughs> Jesus but, Christ, uh, I'm getting attacked from all sides. First of all, Jake no, no, brings no. up the Second World War, which you guys <laughs> arrived late to, by the way. <laughs> 
which you guys turned up late to, okay? And now I'm getting dragged because I invited invited Chris Vlatner to a focus group, especially calling on his expertise as a whiskey collector, getting dragged by Key in the Lake. At my at my office. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Anyway, yeah, I feel like um, you know all of those lives are yes a reaction to to our current situation. Supposedly, we all now have more time to to dedicate to it. But I, I'm kind of looking at it from the perspective of uh, a consumer, and also from the perspective of someone who is kind of doing their own thing with a you know a podcast type uh, show doing Instagram lives and like I'm seeing all these happen now. And what I'm wondering is when we hit, you know, July 1st or we hit, you know, August 31st, whatever it may be. And maybe some of this is, some of this has passed. How many of these brands are going to stick around to continue these conversations that they're having with their, their customers or the consumer and like I said, I feel like it's a bit of an indictment. Like you, this could have been happening before. Like I feel like there was the time for particular people at all, all of these brands that are now interacting with their customers. Like this could have been happening all along. Like you could have had people dedicated to, to, to this type of outreach to, to your customer base. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic that it's happening now. But I will be interested to see what happens as we kind of progress through this and as things sort of return to normal. Who, what are the brands that are that are really involved now that are going to kind of disappear as they become more busy? You know, um, so it's it's really interesting, and I see that same thing from like um, the perspective of like. Okay, I have an Instagram account. I'm I'm doing these live interviews and I'm seeing all kinds of people like getting into it now, like interviewing different distilleries and and whatever it may be. How many of those people are going to still be doing this, you know, come come middle of August if if we're able to recover a little bit. Um so my my message to brands would be like you need what you're doing now you need to continue doing you need to focus on your customers you need to have the outreach that you're doing now always like this is the new thing that you need to be dedicated to doing if you want to make inroads with customers if you want to if you want to have an effect on new potential customers you need to do what you're doing now always like you need to that needs to be a new part of your business plan no i agree um this is a conversation that my wife and i have almost on a daily basis about the oversaturation that you have now of brands or anybody just kind of on social media right now i was i was chatting with her uh yesterday because whenever i go to my search profile all i get now are instagram models holding beer and whiskey because everyone, they don't have jobs anymore to produce any brands because everyone's closed essentially, except for alcohol. So they've all transitioned over to alcohol. And I'm like, why is like every other person on my search button for Instagram, like a girl in a bra holding a craft beer or uh, a dram of whiskey? 
And she's like, because they have nothing else to do. I'm like, it's a smart business move, business move over there. At the same time, though, it, it is distilleries and bars and restaurants. Like, there's a few places here, some great whiskey bars that are doing it, um, doing these Instagram lives on Whiskey Wednesday. And but like, why, why, why weren't we doing that before? Like, why weren't we having these conversations? People want to have that veil pulled back always, especially right now. Um, over the last you know decade or so where everything's been about craftsmanship and where it's made and how localized everything comes from. And Wilson and I, this is kind of like how I think our, our friendship really bonded because we believed in that too, was was telling that message of the story of the brand that we worked in and having um, some passion built around that before we even took the job. Uh, I think all three of our brands, well, me, per, I'll, I'll speak for myself um, with my brand. Um, we could do a better job with it here in the United States. It's different with our um, conversations happening in Australia, where that's our main market. That's our main focus as a brand. And we're kind of starting that conversation here within the last year um, coming to the U.S. But we definitely have – it's something I wanted to do with my job initially when I took it over a year ago, and it's finally having that opportunity to do it. So there is some like great that's coming out of coming out of the quarantine is focusing on other parts of the industry. And we are talking with Brett about this too because I felt like that was a good way to build um, Star Award was through social media, through that interaction online, and not just relying on the on and off-prem um, to build an actual brand. But with Wilson, you know, he's been, you were talking about how you were spending like, you know, four or five hours on your phone you know, and overdoing that, t- talking to people, interacting with people. And I'll dedicate multiple days of my week as well doing that, going on our Keen Lake uh, post. You know, if anybody does an Instagram live from our company, is seeing the people that are interacting through the conversation and then going back that day, that night or the next day and talking to them about what they liked about the conversation, the comments they made. Wilson, I might have accidentally muted you. Yes, you're muted. <laughs> now you're frozen. Calm, you're also muted too, so yeah. no one can hear you. I think this is all like a, a huge part of of what's to, to come out of this. Um, well, I, I was going to say, I'll jump in on that. Um, please, please don't. I, <laughs> okay. I think um, just as Jake mutes both Wilson and I, that shows... Sure, you know, I was trying to, there is there is a, a noise coming in the background. I was trying to see whose it was whose side it was coming from. Um, just that just tells you what he thinks about our conversation skins, skills. Wilson, hit <laughs> that mute button. I think for for me specifically, you know, when I I worked for Chivas Regal and before, and it was a massive brand and and it, where it was in in the Caribbean, and and it was so dependent on having this view, having this kind of, this external viewpoint of, you know, because in the Dominican, there's probably only, there's probably only five or six different whiskey brands that people can name off the top of their heads, you know, in the United States, it's totally different. And, and people are crazy about whiskey out here. So that the attacking the media side of things and attacking public um, relations and, and and communications and the perception of the brand is totally different. And I think for the three of us, it's actually, it's quite interesting because the three of us are in such different positions. You know, Jake has a, a brand that's becoming more well-known, but it's from Australia, you know, and Australian whiskey isn't something that, that people know of, right? Whereas Wilson has a very, very small brand, but it's from, it's, it's almost local, you could say, right? It's very, very mm-hmm. close by. And I have a brand that is very, very old and its name is known. People know the name, but we are at a very, very small, um, we're at a very, very small volume 
and it's from Scotland, right? So it has this other appeal to it. Um, so th- I, I presume that the three of us all take these things and, and run with them in our, in our own ways. But I think the biggest thing that that that, that you mentioned there, Chris, is that not only will not only will a lot of these brands fade into into um, irrelevancy or as far as social media goes and as far as media goes, but it'll be also interesting to see which brands realize that they've really kind of they've really kind of tapped the keg, if you like. Mm. And they've really kind of tapped the keg of these opportunities in in this market, and and I think that the internet as we as we move forward, especially, and you've seen it recently with e-commerce, like the like buy and booze online, you know, places like uh, Drizzly and Flaviar, um, the like I think I think it's something like four hundred percent increase versus last year of e-commerce, and it it these companies are going to take advantage of that. So not only do I think there'll be these companies that you start to see fade off again and they start to look at doing going through the old school channels, but I think you'll also see companies that really take advantage of it and they'll be like, listen, we spent two and a half months in 2020 building a solid base of fandom, if you like, across the internet, across Instagram, um, across Facebook, you know, just uh, with targeted ads, why why aren't we using that you know we've plugged all this money into it um and i i think that that that'll probably be the most interesting part of this you know i think there's going to be brands that that are really kind of pushing forward i actually saw a brand the other day that that is just blatantly no holds barred no excuses no not even not even pretending it's called quarantine vodka did you guys see that (laughs) yes i saw that so it's like it's like a fairly expensive vodka, twenty eight bucks a bottle for the That's vodka. Expensive. Yeah, as far as vodka goes, and they're and they're they're claiming about how they're helping people in quarantine, you know, and that and I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, like after quarantine, it's going to. I mean, this would be once this is all over, this is going to be an amazing case study to do on alcohol brands to see in what direction they went in post quarantine, during quarantine, and what direction they were going in pre quarantine, right. because. It's just such an interesting conversation to have and to and to look at brands that are doing things that are special. Like for a for a while there, Campari were doing a weekly they were doing a weekly thing. You know, they had they had bartenders coming on weekly and I know a lot of people are doing these um these virtual cocktail classes, you know. So mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting moving forward. Yeah, I think a lot of it was very self-aggrandizing from the industry standpoint about how look how great we are. Jamie spoke on this a couple of weeks ago about how brands are putting up all this money, putting up all this face value to look like they are really supporting and helping their communities. But where are you all the time is the question. And then when you do do something great, why do you have to advertise it? Uh, Which has been a philosophy that our company has, I'll speak on behalf of my company without them saying it, like we've donated thousands of thousands of dollars for local food banks and medical workers to have food, but we haven't advertised it whatsoever. I'm um, not going to go in details of it because it would kind of you know, be a slap in the face to what our company's all about. But it, there's ways of doing it and procuring you know, some goodness in your community without having that advertising aspect about claiming how great you are as a brand and as an identity. Because you know we always need help. It's like the government, in a way, it's, it's, a, it's a big little, it's little pockets of um, the community that's a representation of the entire government where we lose millions of dollars a year, hundreds of millions of dollars a year that fall short. Like ah, we don't happen that money, but that money could have gone towards 
um, healthcare. It could have gone towards schools and it could have gone to feeding children all across the country. When it's like, you know, us brands, we have more of a role to play, not just when it comes to a quarantine or it comes to pandemic pandemic of helping out our bartenders and helping out people that we see on a daily basis and people that we like, you know, touch their they touch our lives and help we touch their lives too when they buy a bottle of ours. We can always be helping out each other. Um, and I think it's a really good point to have, Chris, about like when, when will those those conversations pers- persist, and who will still be there at the end of the day when our life gets back to maybe a, um, a representation of what it was before. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're probably never going back to to where we were, say January one, twenty twenty. So it, it's always going to be yeah. <laughs> So was I, but it's, it's always going to be a different, it's always going to be different from that particular point in time. And I just feel like from the consumer aspect, like I want to see brands continue the momentum that they have sort of built during these last couple of months I mean, I'm not saying they have to continue exactly like they're doing now. I, I understand like people's roles and their in their jobs have kind of shifted a little bit, right. and there is there is potentially more time to dedicate toward things that they're doing now that they might not be able to do two months from now. But the reality is is that our lives have changed. The way that that uh, people are going to be interacting with brands, the way that people are going to be purchasing products, this has all changed. I think permanently in some in some particular way. So I feel like the the efforts that brands are putting in now, you can't just abandon that. You can't just say you know we're back to eighty five percent of normal or what normal used to be. So we're just going to kind of just forget about all of the outreach that we've done, all of the interaction that we've had with, with our customers that needs to continue as much as brands are doing it now, if not potentially more. So that means maybe, maybe companies need to add people completely dedicated to, to this. I mean, it's a real thing. I think you're right. Chris, I think you're hundred percent right. There needs to be, it's not just like, Hey, should we hire some 25 year old that grew up with social media? It's about, should we have a, a social media team on place for however, how small our brand is? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think whenever I, whenever I think of the social media thing, I'm always re- reminded that it's still relatively new, yeah. you know, social media is really new for us. Like as far as business goes, I mean, you're talking about Facebook, maybe 10 years, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's probably the oldest one. Twitter and Facebook are probably the oldest ones, but like Instagram, yeah. especially, I mean, I know it was around 10 years ago, but people yeah, were evolved into for- today. Yeah, I would say so as an advertising right. outlet. And I, yeah, and I agree. I think the continuing, the, the continuing trek it's going and as far as it evolving on a day to day or month to month, year to year, ultimately, there are certain things that need to happen on the on, on the political side in order for those things to continue, at least for our type of brands, as far as our industry is concerned. It would be great to be able just to to tap that Instagram feed and buy a bottle that easy, you know, but we can't. You know, you've got to go to a different app, you know, and so you, you dig what I'm saying. So it's 
I think there's some, I think there's great potential there. It's just, there's some other things that need to happen on the legal side of things in order for those to continue, at least for us as in, you know, for our industry. I totally agree. The, the, the system needs to change. I mean, the the three tier system as it is, is, I mean, I'm sure, I, I mean, we could go, this could, be a whole, yeah, this could be another two hours, but I mean, yeah, the, it's, it's a ridiculous system. You guys need to be able to sell directly to the consumer and, and also have the ability to sell through on-premise and off-premise. It's a whole huge conversation, but social media is such an opportunity for every brand to speak to their customer directly. You don't have to pay a PR agency or you don't have to buy ad space in whatever media source it is, a magazine, a a newspaper, television, radio, whatever it is. You don't even have to run an ad on these social media platforms. You literally can start a conversation with me directly. You don't have to spend any money on that other than obviously the human capital and the human time of doing it. But it's such, I've said this on the podcast before, it's such a huge, huge lost opportunity for a lot of brands that are not able to figure out how to do this. And it's a huge uh, advantage for the brands that are out there monitoring the conversation and reaching out directly and, and starting conversations and inserting themselves into conversations. I mean, brands are doing it now and it just, it needs to continue and needs to even go to another level. I mean, it's such a, it's such an opportunity. Um, what I've noticed to your point. Yeah. Brands, especially the larger brands, are really engaging, hardcore, very strong, very in-your-face, consistency day by day by day during these months. But it's almost like this is not new to them. This is Christmas again. So during Christmas, you see you see more of these advertisements and more of these specials and sales and type and this type of behavior online because it's the it's the holidays. And then after the holidays, I said it all goes silent. But what helps them in that case is that January, February is usually a dead period for us. So no one really notices. So they're still riding that high from the holidays until the spring comes around. And then they can, now they pick up, not necessarily where they left off as far as the consistency of it or, in, or the amount or the volumetric side of it. But Hey, remember us from Christmas? Well, we're here. We're still here. Yeah. We just took a break. Just like you did what I'm saying. So large brands can, can take that risk. They can they can risk losing a couple two three hundred followers. That's not going to bother you know. It's not no. going to hurt them any because they're going to be reminded of of themselves whether at through at a friend's house when they go to the store when it's too you know it's it, it's the game plays in their favor because of the human capital that you mentioned, but also that physical capital behind it as well. Where we as us these three brands you know and on the screen today maybe not so much. I know for me. I can only do so much, so I've kept it at the same level. No, as I, much as I'd like to do more, but I agree with that. That's it won't, why there, it won't work for me. Right, there needs to be dedicated. There needs to be dedicated people to to the job. I mean, it's a real job. It's 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 something that you can't just put on someone's plate and expect them to be able to handle the social media aspect of interacting with 
with uh, the consumer and then doing their regular job as well. I mean, it's a real thing in today's day and age. Like, yeah. and like you said, like you're right. Like you lose 200 to 300 followers who, why do they give a shit? They don't, but those are 200 to 300 people that union horse Avalauer could pick up as their, as their customers by doing this, outreach and by staying relevant and by staying front of mind to, to customers. I agree. Um, I mean, I'm talking about this so passionately because I, I like, I see this happening now and it really like strikes a chord with me because I know that come August, (laughs) a ton of these brands are going to disappear from social media. Like I have, Here's an example. I have PR companies that represent some of these brands reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. I have 5,000 followers on, on Instagram. I like that's nothing. You know, that's nothing. I have PR companies reaching out to me to try to get their brand on my Urban Bourbon Hour show to have a conversation, to do an interview. Where are those brands going to be when I reach out back out to them right. in August? whatever and say hey let's get an update on what you guys are up to and they're gonna be they're gonna be gone i'm gonna gonna i'm gonna be ghosted but now they're like all over me hey can we get on the show da 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 but come august i'm gonna be you know it's gonna be a ghost chris i had somebody from let's just say an affiliate pr agency reach out to me not knowing that i was behind key in the lake to have my boss on our podcast. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a pretty, that's, that's a pretty we round. Have, we, way. we have yeah. 400 followers on Instagram. <laughs> but, but you know, and, and it's, it's crazy because when, when quarantine started and we did the first podcast, we had Ian on, remember? Um, yeah. And it was the, I think it was the Monday night just before it all shut down. And, since then, I mean, I don't know how many pods you and Wilson have done, but like people are just coming out of the woodwork for, oh, yeah. for, for, for time, you know, and people that, that Jake and I, we did one recently, we, you know, we're speaking to people recently and, and it's like these people, you know, it's annoying because they, they, they pester you and pester you and pester you, and pester you <laughs> for that little bit of airtime. But you know, for a fact that like, that's not reciprocated at the end of the day yeah. and it'll be it'll be funny to see um it'll be funny to see that side of things you know maybe maybe there'll be smaller brands like Keena Lake uh there's a there's a whiskey film fest was it whiskey film cast film and whiskey yeah yeah film Good guys. Good yeah guys. yeah yeah so they they reached out to me and, I'm, and I was thinking they must have a lot of people reaching out to them at the at the moment like saying can you do a sample of our stuff and and it's like you say come september come october are brands is this just going to fall on deaf ears when when it all comes when it comes push you know when it all comes back around so it'll be interesting man that's, that's... No, it, it, you're right and like i i've been i think all podcasts even away if you look at even like the biggest people like joe rogan and bill simmons they're having people on that they're familiar with because you have to do it online like this when it's a weird interaction and wilson and i had a conversation with like you know people we had some I guess, important people, I guess, if you will, reach out to us in the whiskey industry, or at least notable people. And we're like, 
it'd be great to have you on, but we don't know you and how awkward is it going to be online? What's the connection going to be like? Do you know how to speak into a computer? Do you have a microphone? <laughs> like it just always, and like, I would love, I want to talk to you and these are great people. I want to have on, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't know. You I don't have that personal connection where I can do it with, you know, I have, you know, let's say like 40 friends and like I can reach out to any given time and have a good conversation with, and at least we can provide some information to people that listen to this podcast. And I have some people reaching out from like a PR agency asking about these brands. I'm like, what, what am I going to do with this person? I don't know. And I don't really know what they do. <laughs> and like, I, like it's worked out. It's been hit or miss so far. I'll put it that way. There's one we didn't even release. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised with them as well. That worked out really well. I just happened to be in a good conversation, you know, whatever it might've led to. But, um, it's, 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 it's weird being on both sides of the industry where you're like, granted, I'm not like an influencer or anything, but there's still PR agencies reaching out to me to come on this podcast when we just basically built this podcast to like tell the industry stories and, uh, but also be in the industry too, by selling, selling a whiskey. So it is, it is odd and strange. And I hope, I hope the brands stay around, but I also want to know, Chris, like have like those brands that have been reaching, not reaching out to you, but like being more on the advertising level of like, not just on online, but also on TV too. Do you think it's being effective? Have you seen anything coming out of it? Like people buying on the whiskey, on like the whiskey Instagram world, people going out and buying like their bigger brands because of the advertising. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, so, uh, I've had like a PR agency that, you know, William Grant and Sons is yep. like a huge, huge umbrella brand. Right. So I had like their PR agency reach out to me and say, we could have X, all these people. And actually, I should probably forward you, Jake, unless they probably reached out to you too. <laughs> they might have. Yeah. <laughs> so they like reached out to me and said, you know, all these people could, could come on your show, da, da, da. Yeah. And I'm like, first of all, like you haven't watched an episode of what I do because I would have no idea how to talk to these people that you're presenting to me as yeah. potential guests. Yeah. They would actually be probably good guests for Key in the Lake because they're people that are more like involved into the day day to day of promoting the brand and selling the brand. Right. Um I, you know, I talk to people that are more like the master distiller, the head distiller, the the people that are basically making the product. That's kind of like what I've built my show yeah. around. I haven't built my show around like the ambassador side of brands, which Key and Lake clearly focuses on on that part of of the whiskey, the world of whiskey. And so like when I see like companies reaching out to me and like, I want to respond back and say, have you seen my show? Mm -hmm. Have you like, have you done any research at all into like, into what I do? Like, so it's kind of offensive in a way. And then on the other hand, I don't want to be like a jerk about it because I, I, I understand the position that, that, that brands are in these days as well. Right. Um, you don't want to give them the old, do you, don't you know who I am? Yeah, no, I <laughs> yeah, would never do that, but I would, I close would, the door I, in the future. Yeah. I do want to be like, exactly. Hey, you know, like, can you at least like know who you're approaching when yeah. you're, when know you're your doing target this? market? Like, yeah. It's like a, it's like a cold call that like has nothing to do with like the business that you're in, 
you know. Um, I don't know if I answered your question, Jake, but. No, I hear you're saying because like, uh, yeah, we have, we have people, obviously you've been focusing on the makers, I guess, more of the industry. Um, yeah. And we've been doing like everybody kind of when it comes to like, have you ever sold a bottle of whiskey? Have you ever wrote a blog about whiskey? Obviously you have a voice. Which is what I, uh, which is what I love about your show. Like you have, you have this incredible niche that mm-hmm. appeals, totally appeals to me. And, but you have this place within, within like this world of podcasting that, that speaks to a certain, a certain person. And, and I feel like I'm speaking to a a different, a different type of market. I feel like you guys are focused and maybe I'm wrong, but you guys are focused on, on basically an industry perspective. So people that are in the industry can listen to Key in the Lake and get really good insight into, into the jobs of, of the people selling uh, the whiskey. Now you're having people on that produce the whiskey and, and are in, involved in, in the making as well. But I feel like you have that perspective. Like if I was working in the industry – Key in the Lake would be the number one podcast that I'd want to listen to. Oh, I appreciate so that. that. Like, we, have, kind we, of, ha- we have no strategy, I would say, when it comes to anything, but <laughs> um, but I hear what you're saying. No, we do. It's, it's just an over, it's, a, it's just an umbrella of the industry, I guess, in that sense about who we want to talk to. Um, you know, it's, we you have, have all people. these people on that have great perspective about their about their jobs within the industry and with it and, and trying to put the product into people's hands. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, I think it, it is interesting though. I mean, I have heard from a lot more people when it comes to reaching out about having guests on the podcast and I appreciate it. And I understand that they want to stay relevant. They want to make money during the quarantine. They're trying to adjust to um, a new lifestyle, which we all are trying to do. And I give them props for doing it as well. But like you said, your main point going back like 35 minutes ago was, are you still going to be there when things open back up? Like what's your relevancy going to be to people like us where I, I, I mean, over the last year when I've really divulged into the whole Instagram world when it comes to whiskey, I've been there for a couple of years and I think it's evolved really in the last two years, three years or so. Um, but with that is like people really have a passion about this and they're trying to place themselves inside the industry without having a job in the industry. They're making themselves just, uh, just be notable, which is totally cool and fine. Um, and having those conversations, the people I've met over online who, it's funny, like my PR agency or people in marketing in my company, like, Hey, have you, like, we're going to reach out to this person. Like, um, I talk to them every other day on Instagram, <laughs> you know, like, and they don't, and they don't, like, we don't have a big reach as in like our following, but I think between Wilson and myself, um, through personal accounts and then also the Keen and Lake account, we just, we, we talk to people, we respond to people, everybody who writes a comment saying like, cool show, like we'll write back, like saying, thank you at least, you know, at that, at that point. Because it's it's a, it's a tight knit community. Um, when it comes to whiskey, it's not there's not a ton of people out there. When it, there's probably a hundred thousand people in the country that are like really interested in like kind of everything whiskey, if you really think about it, which is not a lot of people yeah. when it comes to the percentage of human beings inside of America. Um, but 
as you know, as the bourbon community kind of grows, the whiskey community grows with it, and that's kind of where we are with our brands. And then also with this podcast, it's not just bourbon, obviously, it's everything when it comes into whiskey. I just hope that brands recognize how important, not like influencer wise, because I was having like a existential struggle almost with this a couple of weeks ago about how are we giving too much power to influencers and voices online? Um, because it was becoming, that was the only outlet we had as brands was reaching out to people being there online. Cause we couldn't be in the bar. We couldn't be, we could be in the stores, but we couldn't have conversations in the stores. It was more like saying hi to the manager. Like I literally had a manager who I know pretty well in the store. I said, Hey, and I don't know because it was a face mask or not wanting to talk to people or just it's become a new lifestyle as you walk by people. He didn't even give me – he's like – he didn't even say hi. It's like eh, like that kind of noise and a head nod. And I'm like this is somebody when I go into his store, we have a five-minute conversation every time. Not even trying to sell anything. Just like if I'm going in there to buy beer, we have a conversation. Nothing yeah. to do with whiskey whatsoever. So that's how life has changed. And I, I hope it goes back to that human interaction because that's what we all four here thrive on, especially us as ambassadors. We have that personal interaction, going into a bar, making friends with the bartenders, making friends with people at the bar, having a good time, sitting there buying a few drinks for people, having a conversation with the brand is what really like pumps us up as employees of our brands. And also this gives us a lot of life to us as human beings and giving us some self-worth to us when it comes to our jobs. But then we also feed off of that as, as people, individuals that like seek that interaction with people because that's what we love to do is talk to people, not necessarily about whiskey, but just having that personal interaction when it comes to human beings. And I think that's what we're all missing too as a society. And it will eventually probably get there. God, I hope so. <laughs> um, but uh, in the time being, it's the social media and that's become, it's really supplanted uh, a part of that job is, you know, I was talking with a wicked bourbon kid, you know, like, like, who are you? Like, where do you come into this? He's like, it's such a cool community of people that really love bourbon. Like, that's a guy out in New York where, like, you don't know him. I hopefully someday will meet him. But it was cool having that. And going back to the very beginning of our conversation with you going on the starlight with people you know from online and having a fucking barrel pick and having 30 glasses of whiskey. Fuck yeah. Like, that's 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 what whiskey should be all about. It's bringing people together and still doing that, just doing it in a different way. Wilson, I know you want to talk. I see a big smile on your face. I'm just smiling because, again, I mean, I'm just, I'm really, although very, although we're planning for the unknown, I'm still very optimistic and very excited about the possibilities that will, you know, will surface from all this. Um, But, you know, it's, I think, you know, in a nutshell, word of mouth still is the strongest word, you know, marketing tool and sales tool. So, and that's essentially how we have to do it now. So, uh, it's it's still a strong strong thing. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that in a nutshell. I agree, and I think I think we will be there um, from the brands that we represent, the people we talk to. That this is going to be uh, something that will persist and exist longer in the future um, when it comes to having that online interaction and talking to people. Because even if you can talk to like 15, 15 people in an Instagram live or a Zoom tasting, whatever it may be. This could be like 15 new people that experience your brand. I was doing a Zoom tasting. I think it was Zoom. Maybe it was Skype. I don't know at this point. And it was at the Whiskey Club. And there was 15 people that came in. 12 out of 15 people went and bought a bottle off the shelf themselves, even though we gave them samples to have along the way. You know, like, that's really cool. It's like, hey, I want to try this. I'm, I'm a fan of whiskey. I'm not spending money in bars and restaurants right now, so I'll go buy a bottle of whiskey that costs 35 to $50, you know, like, 
that's cool. Like that's my weekend essentially. And like, that's how I'm going to have experience the weekend inside of my apartment or home until things open up. Calm. What do you have to say? Nothing. I mean, honestly, you're just so good looking. <laughs> no, that's definitely not why. Um, especially with this hairdo. But uh, no, I, I think I think that yeah, there's so much to be said really about the the social media side of things um, and about being optimistic. And I definitely feel that we've turned a corner as a society in the last couple of weeks with this idea that we're getting closer and closer to getting out of this. And I think that people feel better for that. Um, but yeah, for me, you know, I just, I'm just happy that I've still got a job. I'm just happy that people are still drinking whiskey and I'm happy enough to be doing these tastings, you know, um, and teaching people that have never really considered it about whiskey, you know, right. um, it's nice. And, and I think that one of the things, one of the cool things about whiskey that beats vodka, for example, and this is obviously a personal opinion, but I doubt there's a lot of vodka drinkers listening to this podcast. But one of the coolest things for me about whiskey is the story, right? The the idea, like, you know, Kansas City, Union Horse, right? That's a great one. Like, even Star Wars, like, out from, like, over from Australia, that kind of thing. And for me, Aberlour, you know, all the way over from Scotland, some tiny town with a thousand people in the middle of nowhere. Um, teaching people and talking to people about that online is always going to enthuse me more than just scrolling through Instagram. Fine. It's not what I really want. What I really want is to be sitting at a bar somewhere, you know, talking to a bartender and talking to maybe a couple of patrons about it, but smashing a sour. Yes. Well, not smashing. I'm I'm actually going to be off the sours for a little while just to try and fucking drop some of this COVID-19 that I've put on. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it's, it's great that we have social media and, and I think that it's, uh, it's the, it is the untapped weapon of our time so far. You know, I think in 20 years, brands are going to look back and think, why the fuck didn't we do X, Y, and Z sooner? You know, why the fuck didn't we look at, you know, uh, putting buying options on our websites and putting, and, you know, sending out samples to people and giving $5 off if they, if they order, um, from a, an environmentally friendly website or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, man, it's it's exciting, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully things just keep getting. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful, sour. That is great photo. Um, and hopefully things just keep going forward in that direction. You know, I'm I'm hoping that we can keep these relationships with people that are on Instagram and have some great followings going. And when when all this is over, I hope that for for part of us. I mean, I even know. I don't know about you guys, but we had to pivot our objectives as brand ambassadors, and um. And part of that pivot of the of the objectives was that we added probably if if my KPIs before my objectives were four were fifteen percent social media, now they're thirty-five percent. You know, a massive amount of of yeah. of marketing and things like that online. So I'm sure it'll be the same for you guys, you know. So I'm hoping that I can keep that going when when this is all over and keep doing digital digital tastings and keep doing digital um, meetups, you know, with people. Yeah, no, I think uh been working on this essay for a bit now um but world war ii has always impacted my life from my grandpa fighting over in uh germany in belgium and what the world what world war ii left behind the whiskey industry is still very uh uh you know prevalent with the barrels being having um the six rings 
with the barrel size as well was what things were left over because people went into World War War with the support of what the community, what the country could do for itself and what it could do for everybody inside of there and also the troops fighting overseas. And with this whole pandemic, it'll be like what's left behind from the distilleries, what will be their mark on it? And social media will play a role in that that online presence, how things have shifted in the industry will uh, have some sort of uh, effect on how we go to bars, how we order whiskey, how we have our whiskey, what whiskey distilleries will still be around after that as well, which is a big impact of it too. So um, I think it's well said, Kelm, um, with all of that. Um, for today's podcast, I think it's a good way to wrap up right there. Um, Chris, thank you for coming back on the podcast for the fourth time. Always, always a pleasure. You know that uh, anytime uh, you need me to to fill some airtime, <laughs> uh, I'm game. You know, I I love you guys. I love talking to all three of you. Appreciate. Um, yeah, just you're you're the you're the you're the best people within the uh, Chicago whiskey community, and and I I love talking to you guys. Well, it means a lot to us. Uh, thank you for the post the other day, too. It meant a lot. Um, Callum and I were actually together when that happened, and we both achieved uh, what he just was doing right there. <laughs> did you guys hug? You guys probably hugged and kissed and shit. We, did, we, did not touch, we didn't touch each other. We were just uh, having some chicken, some barbecue chicken. Social distancing chicken. There's there's no thanks there's no thanks required. I mean it's what I what I posted is a hundred percent the the truth. So I mean that's it it is it is the truth. Well we're glad to have you here in the community too to keep us guys in check. So we appreciate that. As Callum's doing hand claps as if he's in a football stadium. <laughs> uh, so for uh, Calm O'Donnell of Avalauer Distillery and for Wilson Torres of Union Horse Distilling Co., I am Jake Hookie, your host Cheers. here, which I probably didn't introduce myself at the very beginning because I never really do. We are Cheers. Key in the Lake. Please don't post whiskey and guns together on Instagram. My words of advice for you. Cheers, Cheers. guys. <laughs>